This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Thursday, May the 28th as we make our way through another week. And uh, one that has been frustrating and contentious as far as baseball goes. Uh, We'll dive into that today as we um, did yesterday. We talked a lot yesterday about the proposal from Major League Baseball to the players, the tiered proposal where the highest paid players would take the biggest of hits and the lowest paid players would take a less of a hit, a, a attempt by the MLB owners to divide and conquer it, received with consternation, doesn't begin to describe with um, really anger and, and upset from the player side of things. Players have made it very clear. We'll dive into more of that today. Um, hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to talk a little uh, Roy Holiday on the 10-year anniversary of his perfect game and the documentary about Holiday tomorrow night. Coming out on ESPN E60, Imperfect. Uh, we'll dive into some Ray Holiday stuff tomorrow. Try and focus on some other things other than this because I know it's been a lot this week. But it's what we got to talk about is, as baseball is, is hanging in the balance and peril, so to speak. We'll have some negative and some positive today. We'll, that's what we'll do. We'll talk about some more of the players' um, anger towards the re- proposal of the uh, owners and also at least one baseball man who feels very strongly that there will be a season and is not balking. A lot of people are nervous. This is the first time I think a lot of people are saying, oh, my God, this, this feels like an impasse that is unbroachable, un, un, uh, un, unpassable, something they they can't um, bridge the gap, as it were. So um, let's dive in. Um, we'll start with the Jeff Passan article, and then we'll get to aforementioned prominent writer, who feels incredibly confident that a season will happen. But first, um, Passon, uh, more follow-ups on the MLB, proposal the MLBPA, and what the MLBPA plans to do in response uh, from Jeff Passon uh, today on ESPN. Uh, Major League Baseball Players Association expects to counter MLB's economic proposal by the end of this week with a plan that includes more than 100 games as opposed to, obviously, the 82 we talked about. Uh, and a guarantee of full prorated salaries for the 2020 season, sources familiar with union discussions told ESPN. The disagreement over economics has ratcheted up in recent days. After the league's first proposal, Tuesday rankled players. On multiple phone calls Wednesday, players essentially pledged to ignore the league's proposal and said offer one of their own, according to sources familiar with the calls. Nationals ace Max Scherzer, one of the eight players of the MLBPA's powerful executive subcommittee, tweeted Wednesday that significant pay cuts in the league's proposal would not be accepted and the union would remain committed to players receiving their full rate prorated salary. Here's exactly what Scherzer tweeted. Scherzer tweeted, 
After discussing the latest developments with the rest of the players, there's no reason to engage with Major League Baseball in any further compensation reductions. We have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries, and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based on the current information the union has received. I'm glad to hear other players voicing the same viewpoint and believe MLB's economic strategy would completely change if all documentation were to become public information. So Scherzer are hitting on something there at the end that we've talked a lot about. But just the fact that the fact that owners won't open up the books, like you can't claim poor, you can't say you're losing all this money and not prove it. This is not that complicated. Prove it. Prove it. There is way too much acrimony and animosity between these two sides over history to just assume that you can say something and that the players will believe it. I mean, it's it's really crazy to me, but again, that's stepping into an issue that we've covered and as you can tell, makes my blood boil. Um, I, I'm, I, I feel the players here again. I As I said yesterday, I'm kind of at the point where I'm done with everyone. I, I just, I, I need them to figure it out and whatever you got to do, do it because this is... A joke is embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the sport I love. My favorite sport is an embarrassment right now. It's an embarrassment in public. And the worst time in the history of our country while we have been alive, all of us, most of us alive, you know, other than 9-11 and a couple other times and, and this one wide-ranging and all that, that that for this is what, what they're doing, that they're, they're billionaires and millionaires arguing over money is, is literally the worst. Enough. I've had enough of it, but at the same time, I'm... If I'm picking a side, it's it's firmly the player's side, as you know. And I just, I think this this proposal by the owners was an absolute joke, and I can't believe they actually put it out there and leaked it. And we're like, hey, check out check out our proposal. It's just a it's an embarrassment. Um, and I think they're preying on a lot of people. A lot of people back the owners, which I still, I just can't understand. Um, to my core, I can't understand it. But um, they've done a good job of paying the players as the bad guys, and and I think in their mind. They're, they're saying, all right, well, look, we, we're asking the biggest players to take a huge pay cut, but they're still making five, six, seven million dollars, whatever it is. Like, people will get mad at them if they say no. This is, this is their fault. When in actuality, it's your fault. The whole negotiating good, good faith. Like, the owners at no point in this whole process of negotiating good faith, not one time have they presented something to the players that they thought there was any chance whatsoever the players would be willing to, to discuss or even accept or whatever. I mean, no, no point. No point. They've been underhanded. They've undercut. And they've tried to do everything they can to divide the players and have refused to really look at the situation and understand who, who they are arguing against and what could possibly happen and, and come up with something that is a real, feasible, realistic plan. Like, it's... It's crazy. I, mean, I honestly, I, I truly can't believe that anyone's defending the owners. I can't, I can't fathom it. And there are smart people defending the owners. Good, smart people who generally I agree with that um, it, it, it floors me. I can't believe it. Uh, Passenger goes on. MLB's proposal called for pay reductions on top of players' already prorated salaries, which would be scaled to reflect the number of games played. In MLB's 82-game proposal, Los Angeles Angels star Mike Trout would be paid less than $6 million compared to the $19 million plus he would receive prorated. Although the pay cuts would be less severe for a large swath of lower-paid players, the union's rancor was clear and immediate. Again, don't blame them. Uh, 
The article goes on. The union's desire to play more games could be used as a chip for a negotiation to reach a return to play deal. For now, however, if players are being paid on a prorated basis, more games will lead to larger salaries for the players. The league is balked at a longer schedule, fearful that a potential second wave of the coronavirus could wipe out the postseason and the lucrative national television money that comes with it. Again, that, man, the sentence, just the, the, the money of it all is so frustrating, and I, I get it. I get that it's a business. Uh, first and foremost, that's what it is. It's a business. They're not doing this out of the goodness in their hearts. They're just not. We know that. We, we love sports, but we're not idiots. We understand that it's a business, but that in this time, and where we're at in America, that it's... It's so a business that it is so about money. Uh, is I get it. I'm not going to – I get it. Again, I get it. It just sucks. Uh, moving on. The article continues. In a presentation to the players, MLB said it would lose a significant amount of money if games are played in 2020 and players receive their full prorated salary. The union has held firm that a March 27th agreement between the parties ensures the players their prorated share – well, the league believes that language in that agreement calls for a good-faith negotiation in the event of games played in empty stadiums. We've obviously covered that. Article goes on. The union remains skeptical of the data the league has shared that showed significant losses across the sport recently submitted additional and recently submitted additional document requests to the league in search of information about local television revenue, national television revenue, and sponsorship revenue and projections for teams. Big deal. There again. This just goes back to the whole like the league refused to open their books, and it's like why should the players believe that they're losing this money if they won't prove it? Like this is not that hard. Show them you're actually losing forty percent, and maybe there's a different discussion. They don't believe you. I don't believe you. No one believes you. Again, I watch Royals games. I watch White Sox games. I watch Tigers games. I watch all these teams all season long. And let me tell you, come June, come July, there's no one in those stadiums. No one. We're talking about a few thousand people per game max. The Marlins. We see it every time the Phillies play them in Miami. There's no one there. You can't tell me that 40% of your revenue is coming from those seats being filled because they're not filled anyway. I don't believe you. Moving on. The article finishes. Quote, unquote, from Scherzer, we've previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries, and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based upon the current information the unions have received is what Scherzer wrote. I'm glad to hear other players voicing their uh, a viewpoint as we talked about. MLB has proposed playing in front of no fans in games starting the first week in July, though the timeline could be pushed back if labor discussions stretch on and preclude spring training to start mid-June. So let's just pray that doesn't happen because, um, again... I can't handle that. Um, I'm just, I'm so frustrated with all. Um, hopefully, and Jeff Passan has been very on top of this story, and we've talked a lot about Passan here in some of his articles. We've read them. We've talked about them. And Passan has been pretty straightforward about the fact that I think that, I think he's optimistic, but at the same time, like he has been, his language has at times been very pessimistic. And, and will there be a season, I think, is, is a question. Bob Nightingale, however, who is also, I think, you know, Really, the three people, at least in print form, a lot of people have tweeted about it. John Heyman's been all over stuff and all that. But really, the three people who have had the articles at times when things are leaked, this and that, have had the most information about this story has been Jeff Paz and Bob Nightingale, Ken Rosenthal. Evan Drellick working with Rosenthal. But really, those three guys have been at the forefront of this story from the jump straight through. And that's good because Nightingale is 
incredibly positive about baseball having a season this year. Um, this is what Nightingale had to say. He said, despite the, it is the title of the article, it's opinion, he points out. It's not a, a, he's not reporting here, but he says, despite the bitterness between MLB and the Players Union, there will be a baseball season. Strong words. The article. Nightingale says, everyone take a deep breath, exhale slowly, and chill. There will be a Major League Baseball season in 2020. Forget all of the rhetoric, vitriol, and nastiness between the Major League Baseball and the Players Association during these first few days of negotiations. A feud between these sides over economics has been going on for the past half century. That is true. He's right about that. Don't believe that while every other major sport, including baseball leagues in Taiwan, South Korea, and Japan, are figuring out ways to play games during the pandemic, MLB will sit this one out. They will play. So this is good. This is really good stuff here. As, as again, it's been a, a real stream of negativity towards, again, for the first time, I think a lot of people are questioning, saying, you know, will there be a season? Howard Eskin on WIP Today on the Midday Show said 50-50 chance they play. I mean... Less than 50-50, potentially. I mean, there are a lot of people who know things, who are smart, who follow the sport, have covered the sport for a long time, who are nervous, legitimately nervous about a season. Nightingale's not. He goes on. The season may not start on July 4th weekend, as hoped. It may instead start later in July, but it is happening. There's too much money at stake, and everyone knows it. He says, oh, sure, the players are seething at MLB's proposal this week. They would slash the biggest stars' salary by nearly 60% of the original salary paying an 82-game season. And guess what? The owners will be just as livid at the union's counterproposal by the end of the week that refuses to reduce their prorated salary, perhaps demanding that they play at least 100 games with the regular season extending into October instead of entering on September 27th. He mentions the Scherzer tweet that we talked about moving forward. And, look, I think that is interesting stuff right there. Um, as, again, you know, saying that the owners are going to be livid with the response is not ideal. But, but Nightingale is, again, positive. And, again, the fact there's too much money at stake is, is definitively true on both sides. We know what the owners theoretically stand to lose. And, of course, we know the players don't get paid if there's no season. They got, what, like 3 or 4% of the overall salary that was dispersed out to people. And that's it. So they don't get paid either. Um, the article goes on after he quotes Scherzer. Uh, he says, and that came after Cincinnati Red Star pitcher Trevor Bauer ripped Scherzer's agent Scott Boris on Twitter, accusing him of being a destructive influence in negotiations, which is interesting. Uh, Bauer said, hearing a lot of rumors about certain player agent meddling in MLBPA affairs. If true, and at this point they're only rumors, I have one thing to say. Scott Boris, rep your clients have you want to. But keep your damn personal agenda out of union business. It's interesting. We have not seen anyone take shots at Boris here. That is very interesting. The article goes on. MLB and the union, who may not be able to stand the sight of one another at this moment, still are business partners and will resolve their economic issues. Major League Baseball will remind the union the owners will lose about $2 billion if they play regular season games without fans and attendance and concessions and parking Revenue, it all translates into about a 40% loss of their projected revenue. Again, I'm not conceding that. I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. And again, here's the thing, too. Um, we've heard this 40% loss of revenue number and all that. We still don't, like, 
just if they lose 40% of what they normally get in revenue, like they still might be making money on the bottom line. Right? I mean, that's, that's the thing that hasn't really been done. We don't know what their revenue is and how much they make each year. We know that baseball for 17 years has had record profits. Year after year after year after year after year after year after year. Record profits. Records. Most they've ever made. Oh, most they've ever made. Oh, most they've ever made. So, excuse me while I don't feel too sad for one year of, of pain. And again, we don't even know that they're losing what they're losing compared in terms of revenue, in terms of what they normally make. He goes on. It will cost them nearly $700,000 to play regular season games with no fans, the owners insist. Okay, open your books. He says, now they, now they need to get the players to believe them. Open your books! The players are furious that they're being asked to take another salary cut after agreeing to a prorated salary on March 26th. But the owners say the deal was based on having fans in attendance. The provision is right there in black and white with Commissioner Rob Manfred having the power to not start the season without fans in attendance. The players have a different interpretation. We've obviously covered this. He says, yet what is overlooked in this dispute is the issue of service time. The union fought for players' service time in their original agreement, and the owners consented assuring players would receive a full year of service no matter if a game is played in 2020. How much is that worth? Try $600 million. Players who are first-time eligible arbitration players receive about $300 million in increased salaries. And those who reach free agency for the first time earn about $300 million in annual salary raises. This is why the union sur surrendered their right for the players to be paid a full season, no matter how many games were played, realizing the value of a full year of service time. That all makes sense, tit for tat. It means you're a year closer to salary arbitration. We get that, and, and so on and so forth. Um, you're closer to free agency, all that stuff. It was an issue that had the owner splintered with a few believing that they were giving up far too much by letting the players reach arbitration free agency yearly, no matter how many games were played. Now is a different story. The owners are unified in their belief that the players should take the same 40% reduction in revenue that they are incurring playing no games without fans. Playing games without fans. MLB lawyers came up with a sliding scale and pay reduction, similar to what, that's what we've talked about, the, you know, certain cuts down the board as we've discussed. Moving on, but the players who are in one million or less will take the least, which is 65% of the league. Uh, he goes on. The union is in uh, the owners insist that under this proposal, the players would receive about 60% of the club's projected re 2020 revenue compared to 47% a year ago. The union isn't buying it and wants proof. No one is naive enough to believe any team will turn a profit this year. But as the players will remind you, clubs weren't turning around and handing out Christmas bonuses on the profits they've turned every year either. Forbes estimates that clubs earned about $5 billion over the past five years, which MLB strongly disputes. It will be MLB's turn to provide their counterproposal next week. And this time they may come up with an overall pay reduction plan without differentiating between the highest and lowest paid players. There's no reason to offend the biggest stars of the game, their highest paid players, for a reason. They're the ones with the biggest gate and TV attractions. The sides will come to, he says, this is important here. The sides will come up with a compromise. Maybe MLB will agree to let the players keep the $170 million in advance fees that ended May 24th. Maybe the union will figure out a way to share the risk if a second wave of COVID hits this fall, canceling the World Series and costing MLB about a billion in TV revenue. Maybe they can figure out a deferred payment plan. Maybe they'll agree to, but real quick, deferred payment plan. I, I don't understand why this hasn't been broached more. I mean, this, 
seems to make a lot of sense and answer a lot of the issues here. These guys know, these owners know they're going to make money in the future, right? I mean, they do every year. Again, record profits every year. Why wouldn't a deferred thing work? Like, that makes so much sense to me. Like, granted, the players have to agree to it, but I'm sure the players, as long as they're getting paid their money, and granted, with deferred payments, just so we're clear, you are making less than you would make now. We get it. Like, if you're deferring a million dollars over the next 10 years, a million dollars in 10 years is worth is worth less likely you never know what's gonna happen but worth less than a million dollars now so they are losing money the players i mean in that situation but they're not losing a lot in that situation you defer the payments you say all right you're scheduled to make 20 million this year we're gonna give you 10 and we're gonna defer the other 10 till 2030 and then over the years you get a five hundred thousand dollar check each year is that crazy i guess it'd be a million dollar check each year for that those numbers i use but you know what i mean like why not do that where the owners can say, all right, we're taking it this year, but we could pay it out over time when we're making all that money again. It's no big deal. Like deferred payments to me is the one thing that has not been broached by either side so far in the plans that we've seen discussed that just seems to make the most sense. Like defer the payments. No brainer. Like this seems so simple. And I think the players would agree to something like that where it's some sort of deferred payment plan where certain players get what they're supposed to get, certain players, maybe it's some deferred, this and that. Like, that just makes so much sense to me, almost too much sense, and I can't believe that it's something that has not been talked about more. Uh, the article finishes. Maybe they'll agree to try and play 100 games, taking their chances they could safely play in mid-November. But rest assured, assuming municipalities are open for business and the safety and health protocols are satisfactory for everyone, these two sides will find a way. It just takes time. There's no deadline in these negotiations. I don't know if I agree with that, but like, it's a soft deadline. Obviously, if they start later, they start later. He says, so sit back, relax, and try not to get caught up in the war of words. We are going to have a baseball season. Major League Baseball has no choice. Strong words there. I appreciate that, that Nightingale's putting it out there. Nightingale's saying, we're having a season. Chill. Relax. These two sides will not screw this up. And look, that's kind of been where my head's at. As you, you know, you've heard this show, you know where I'm at. I mean, that's kind of where I've been at, is the idea of like, I just, I, I think at the end of it, when, when it is the final deadline of deadlines, whatever that is, that people be like, all right, we're not going to not have a season. Like, we will do what it takes. Like, this is too important. This is the future and health of our sport on the line of all of our livelihoods. Everyone across the board, at a certain point, as, as, as much animosity as there's been, as much acrimony as there is between the owners and players, at a certain point, they're on the same side in the sense that baseball surviving and thriving is best for everyone, right? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, baseball being successful benefits everyone involved. And baseball being crippled by this type of thing where they miss a season for this reason in this spot hurts everyone. So I agree with what Nightingale's saying. I agree with the logic minded. I do believe we will have a season. I do. I really do. All this acrimony, all this upset that we're going through, all that, I think that in the end, it will get figured out. But man, have they done a bad job. Man, have they made this harder than it needs to be. Man, have they made themselves look like idiots in the process. Man, have they lost any sort of goodwill they could have had 
through this process by coming back, by being the first sport back, by this or that, whatever. Like, that's all gone. It's done. It's over. It's a disaster from that perspective. Now what they have to do is they have to not make it a worse disaster. They just have to figure out how they could play baseball and how they can make it work. And, and again, to Nightingale's point, I agree with him. They will. I truly believe they will, but it's just so frustrating that it has been the process it's been and that we're at the point we're at. All right. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, assuming nothing breaks between now and then, we will we will talk a little Roy Holiday on the, the 10-year anniversary of his perfect game. The documentary coming out, obviously a lot of Holiday stuff going on right now with the what's in the news and, and the story and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll dive into some of that tomorrow more. We talk about the career and and what he meant here in Philly and all that, and um and some other fun stuff as well as we hope to head into the weekend on a positive, and then I'm sure come Monday we'll be talking more about negatives. But for now, fingers crossed, positivity, hope against hope, and until tomorrow, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24/7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.